Baykirk Day School. It is Mr. Clement and Mrs. Massey and we are back with our first podcast of the school year and we are going to be talking about transitions and anxiety today. We have a lot to go over. We have um, some scripture to talk about, some tips, some things for parents to notice, but first I want to just give a quick disclaimer here. Last podcast I had mentioned that it was January 1st for the new logo on uniforms as far as a mandated switch and I was wrong and some parents very graciously pointed out to us that it was through the end of the 2019-2020 year that you have to wear the old logo on your uniform. So just to clear that up uh, as a disclaimer we do have until the end of this school year to wear that old logo and then uh, next school year it will be all new logoed uniforms. So wanted to point that out never above being corrected and I appreciate those that reached out and let me know that. But let's move on to today's subject which is anxiety. This time of year there is anxiety with our kids, there's anxiety with our teachers, there's anxiety with me and my family and just going back to school, getting into the routine. It's so healthy to be in the routine, it's so healthy to go back to school, but what we have are a lot of different things that preclude us from enjoying these moments and so we're going to be really discussing about that and so Maria let's start with this do you remember what it was like having a first day and what were some things that maybe you remember and some feelings you remember yeah yeah I remember so before I went to a a private school K through 8 that was associated with the church and so similar situation to what we have here and before my seventh grade year I decided to switch friend groups because the girls that I was friends with were not kind to me. Um, a lot of bullying situations that happened. And so, you know, our class was 22 kids, I think, and there were not a lot of girls. And so it was very obvious when that first day at lunch I sat somewhere different. I sat at the other girls' table as opposed to the table that I had been sitting at for years. I mean, since I was in, I don't know, first grade, kindergarten. And I remember feeling very anxious. I remember feeling like the entire cafeteria's eyes were on me as I made my way to a different round table uh, with a different set of girls. Was there a collective gasp in the cafeteria? (laughs) It felt like there was. The reality, no, there wasn't. Right. But it, it sure did feel like there was. And, you know, my parents were aware of the situation and it had been going on for years and they were really great at kind of giving me my time to figure out who I wanted to spend time with and why I wanted to spend time with them. Um, So really kind of teaching me like allowing me the freedom to kind of figure out what that meant for me. And so I remember just the conversations leading up to that with my parents of recognizing that it was going to be different. And it was probably going to be awkward and hard, but that it was worth it because I, there were other options for me. And I think so often, and I see this with our kids to here, it feels like there are no options. It feels like there's only one because there's so much that, you know, goes into wanting to be friends with someone. Right. It's a very myopic view for our kids. Yeah. And the pressure of friendship feels much heavier than it seems and as a matter of fact you know and those of you that know me know that I have a kindergartner but also have a two-year-old and so we still watch a lot of Daniel Tiger Mm -hmm. Uh, I am a fan of Fred Rogers there's no secret there 
But one of the things in the Daniel Tiger episodes is they talk about, even for little ones, what it's like to share a friend or have a friend go and spend time with someone else. And I feel like a lot of times we build things up in our minds of either someone who's been mean to us cannot be our friend or someone who's been our friend all of a sudden maybe has changed a little bit over the summer, which is totally natural. And we, we sense a difference and thus that difference we put it on ourselves instead of understanding that that's maybe just how the world is working yeah. in front of us. Yeah, and I think, you know, especially for girls, and this happens for boys too, of course, but um, that pressure of I want to be popular and I want to be with the popular kids, even if they're not kind to me, and even if they're not what's best for me, that weighs heavily on the heart of a 12-year-old. Absolutely. Because that's their world. That's all that, that they know at that point. And especially in a situation like I was in, in a situation like these kids are in, here, classes are small, and you've gone to school with these kids forever. So they know you. And they we all have that, that dynamic and that system that we work within. And so to break that, to do something different than what the system has been for so many years is really scary. So I remember feeling a great amount of relief um, when I made that switch at the lunch table. So when people asked you, why did you switch? I would imagine that came up. Yeah. What did you say? I mean, I can't remember word for word, but looking back, um, I remember saying thing, you know, like the idea being they're really not, they're fine. They're fine girls. I just, have more in common with these people, with these girls. And I had friends outside of school. Those were my friends at school were not my true friends. I had better friends outside that I I played sports with. Um, and that's that was really helpful for me too, to know that this girls in, in my school were not my entire world. Mm. And that was really helpful. That's a deep perspective, no matter the age of someone who's still in school yeah. day in, day out. Yeah, yeah. Because again, especially in, a, in the situation that we're in, it can feel like there's no choice. I have to sit with and be around people that I don't like, which is a good lesson. Like, we all kind of have to learn that lesson, right? right? But there's a difference between feeling like there's no choice and understanding that at times you have to be around people who are difficult to be around. Yeah. Um, but if there's one thing that I could say to those girls now is that you do have a choice because that understanding that I had a choice in who I was friends with was empowering to me and it allowed me to not feel like I had to be mean to the girls that were being mean to me because I wasn't under their control. Um, wow. So yeah, that, that was um, my most vivid back to school experience but how about for you anything that that comes to mind you know I don't remember anything overly specific I, I can remember a lot of the start to school for me I was an only child so for us it was kind of get Taylor some new clothes get Taylor some shoes and send the kid packing and it was fine um, I do remember that I would feel that anxiety I'd feel the butterflies and I never was super nervous about school I did not like getting up early even from a very young age so going to school getting back into that routine kind of stunk for me but I remember a lot of times at night after I would get my homework done 
trying to get back into that routine. I remember watching things like The Wonder Years mm. and kind of, I guess, you know, living uh, vicariously through a Kevin Arnold situation, <laughs> yeah. particularly as I got into like, you know, sixth and seventh grade uh, and, and loved that and loved being able to kind of feel that. Yeah a little bit, but it was also giving me an opportunity to relax and escape when your body's kind of going through, I guess not even body, but mental change Totally. of just having time. And I felt like my parents did a good job at that and, and they weren't ever like, well, it's school, so you have to completely change mm-hmm. your entire life and go mm-hmm. back uh, mm-hmm. and get into bed early and you can't do this and you can't do that. They, they did a good job of, of allowing me to still be me yeah. and kind of feel that a lot of times. But yeah, going back to school was never... Um, a huge mountain. It just, it, I tried to look forward to seeing my friends. I tried to look mm-hmm. forward to um, being in a routine. I'm a very routine person. But I also didn't necessarily love school. I wasn't one that was like, man, when I grow up, I want to <laughs> give my life to education. Yeah, I never said that either. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't me. Now, we have plenty of teachers in the building yeah. who did, but yeah. And I would say, you know, back to school traditions, we never did anything to really celebrate it. It was kind of more, I think, for my family going, ugh. You gotta get back to school yeah. and get up. Yeah. And my parents, uh, you know, they liked to to have a slow start in the morning. Yeah. I wouldn't say a late start, but definitely a slower start. Uh, there are others who are kind of like, yes, this gives us an excuse to be normal. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so this is a little bit different. But did you guys have any back to school traditions? I think we would go out to dinner and then always go shoe shopping because yeah. we wore uniforms. So, you know, we'd get two pairs of khaki pants and. Um, order from, I don't know, Land's End or somebody, uh, our school shirts, and then get a new pair of tennis shoes. Um, And my mom was so funny. In grade school, we had, our playground had tire, um, like little chopped up pieces of old tire Mm -hmm. as our gravel kind of, or whatever, you know, the the landing pad, so to speak. The fall surface is not in the biz. yes, Yes, the fall surface. And that black rubbed off. So she never let us get white tennis shoes because well, she was not. like, which I was, you know, for whatever reason, always wanted white tennis shoes, but never got that. So, um, yeah, and then, you know, school shopping for those supplies, which. See, I grew up in a really small town, so you either had to drive 30 minutes to go to a real mall or you could go to the Cleveland Mall. <laughs> and I remember going to Hibbett Sporting Goods one <laughs> night. I remember two, two very distinctive times, and I remember getting a pair of Puma shoes that were green, black, and white and were awesome yeah and I remember getting a pair of Nike airs there and so uh, yeah those were those were some very good, good memories. Taste, I, I yeah. remember remember like the smell like yeah. the, there's oh, some yeah. there's some pretty distinct things but yeah, I think that we remember that and our kids remember mm-hmm. these days mm-hmm. because they're they are very distinct memories and moments and you know parents right now they're flooding Facebook mm-hmm. with those pictures yeah. of you know my first day of filling the blank grade and we have those signs at the school. We have those those photo moments that we want for our families. We know they're important in the life of a family. But I do think that these moments matter. And mm-hmm. our kids are coming to school with some anxiety. So let's jump into that. Yeah. Um, so there's a few articles we're going to reference. One is from the Child Mind Institute. And we'll have these links in our write up as this podcast goes out. The other is the Harvard Health Publishing from Harvard Medical School. 
Um, I think Harvard's a pretty reputable group uh, from, from what I know. And uh, kidding, kidding aside, <laughs> Maria knows I'm kidding there. Sorry, bad dad joke. <laughs> but uh, a few things that they point out um, in, these, in these articles, that, that our kids are going to show signs of back-to-school anxiety. And so one of the things that they say, and, and I notice this even in my own home, they're going to continually seek reassurance or ask repeated questions mm-hmm. or worried questions despite already mm-hmm. receiving an answer. Mm-hmm. I saw that. I see that with my kids when they're, when they're nervous. They're going to ask that. Even if it's for a trip and they're excited, yeah. when do we leave, when do we leave, when do we leave? We've said a thousand times we leave at 11 a.m. Or we're you know yeah. leaving on Saturday. There's still something about that angst. That Adults can do up. the same thing. What, what do you mean? <laughs> of yeah. course. Of course yeah. we do. I do that to my wife all the time. Yep. Yep. And especially if we're feeling more anxious, it is really hard for our brains to process what's coming in effectively, you know, right. to, to be able to record it and recall it. So it makes sense. I think one of the interesting things um, that we see with the anxiety with there's definitely the initial like the kids walk in the door and there's an anxiousness and an excitement excitement for the start of the year maybe um but then sometimes it kind of it kind of dies down right um but then it can spike again in a few months and we will be talking about that won't we yes so for that does happen um it is normal right but just for now we'll focus on those first kind of weeks where the anxiety anxiety hits well and i'm glad you pointed that out because some of our parents may say hey this podcast doesn't really affect us right now our our kids are fine they've been Mm -hmm. in the school for Mm -hmm. years they know their teacher you know the teacher's even been over to our house because we do have a pretty tight-knit community Mm -hmm. uh, all things considered so there are some aspects there where it may not feel that now but things will come and we need to be prepared for that and and that's part of what we're going to be doing here uh, in this discussion Uh, another thing that they say that kids will often uh, ask are what if my friends are not in my class and parents I'm sure you've received that especially when class lists come out that is a very mm-hmm. uh, daunting day for mm-hmm. us as a school mm-hmm. uh, knowing that there's going to be some really happy kids and there's going to be some really disappointed ones as well and and that's a really tough thing and when will I see them what if they you know even transition schools and, and gone to other schools and families have different plans with that what if I don't have anyone to sit with at lunch mm-hmm. Will I be okay? Mm-hmm. And so kids do get nervous. We even have um, families that, that will bring their kids a few days early, take mm-hmm. a look at the room, knowing that that's a, that's a good strategy. But what are some questions that you see from some of our kids or even in your own private practice that, yeah. you, that you've noticed? Yeah, I think the friendship thing is a huge, a huge, I don't even want to say elephant in the room because I don't think it's often, I think it's often very out there. Um, the kids, the kids are, that's on their mind sometimes more so than what teacher they're going to have, I would say is what, what kids are in my class. And so a lot of questions around, well, what do I do if my kid's not in a class with his friends, right? What if he is upset about that? That's not something that I can control. And that can send us, you know, into anxiety if, if we know that there's going to be a hard situation for our kid and we can't control that situation. So I would say as far as what to do when your kid comes to you and is like, hey, I don't have any friends in my class. Like, what am I supposed to do? Your first step, you know, when, when someone comes to you and, and they are, are feeling anxious or overwhelmed or sad, 
is to help them name and, and validate that feeling, yeah. right? That's the right. number one thing that you can do. And oftentimes as parents, when our kids come and share their anxiety, we want to go into fix it mode right away. And of course we do because we're their parent. We don't want them to experience pain. But what I have found both in this environment with my own kids, um, you know, in, in other even adult relationships is naming and validating that emotion actually calms people down. So when we can name that anxiety for them, it can actually help calm them down. And I think at times we think, oh, if I name it and we talk about it more, they're just going to think about it more and they're going to get more and more anxious. It's actually the opposite. That the more that you can talk about it, name it for them, repeat it back to them, the calmer they can they yeah. can feel. Because they're seen. Well, and in both of these articles, one of the things that the Harvard article says is approach anxiety instead of avoiding it. And then the one from the Child Mind Institute is very much listen and do not dismiss the fears. Mm -hmm. Step into mm -hmm. it yep. and talk to them about it. Now, one of the things that it, it mentions is not only validate their feelings, but don't ask questions that suggest your kids to be anxious. And I love this. I think mm -hmm. this is, is really a, a good point. Um, instead of saying, you know, we're going to talk about this for a half hour, are you worried about having Mr. Smith for math? You can just say, hey, you know what you're going to be learning in math this year? Who's yeah. your teacher? Or how was how was the subject today? Yeah. And and it allows them to give you that process mm -hmm. instead of perhaps our children who want to mm -hmm. our love who want our performance to want perform for us rather are m going to maybe manipulate their answers a little bit to get that reaction out of us. Totally. And we see this in a, in a variety of ways. But I think if we're truly trying to help the anxiety of going back to school, or even I'll call it as it is, the frustration of going back to school for some of our kids. It helps if we just ask them more of those general questions to allow them to give us a more objective answer in asking a less subjective question, yeah. or more subjective question, excuse me. One of the things I, I like to tell parents is to be um, a thermostat, not a thermometer, right? So a thermostat keeps the room at one temperature, yes. whereas a thermometer is going to go up and down. And your kid is going to be the thermometer, right? Their emotions and, and, and their process is going to go up and down. But we as parents can be that stabilizing, secure, self-regulating base for them. And that doesn't mean that we don't have empathy for our kids. Right. It just means that we don't create more anxiety and worry by their worry, you know, throwing us off. Um, and so let, well, let's talk about parents for just a totally. second. Totally. Because I think we're, we're kind of into two categories. We yeah. have the parent category and we have the kid category right because parents get anxious around back to school time as well completely yeah. and so my son anderson he started kindergarten this year and he's he can be timid at times but katie and i were definitely going okay this is going to be a big day for him big step he was fine this morning <laughs> kind of oddly so and he just walked right in he was great and yeah. he just needed to get back in the building Katie and I, I think maybe we're a little more nervous about it than anything, but when we look at parents, you know, uh, this one article says the goal for parents is to be supportive without exacerbating your child's worries, mm -hmm. which we, we try desperately to do, but it also said make sure you're not passing your stress on to your kids, mm -hmm. which I thought was a really, really mm -hmm. good point, and often we do feel stress, and I notice it with teachers, and certain mm -hmm. teachers feel stress, and 
we're like, whoa, what's going on with that person? We do want to make sure that we're not passing our stress on to our kids. But it's, there's also pressure on parents to have that perfect photo, mm -hmm. to make your kids look great on day one, and to at least project on social media that things are so great and we have chosen the best school. And in our case, we are investing in the best school mm -hmm. and that, wow, aren't we awesome? And that's a weird pressure that mm -hmm. we feel. Mm -hmm. And so I guess my question now is, Maria, what would you say to parents who feel those pressures, even just to post a photo and say, look how great look how things great are? Everything is. I would say I'm right there with you. I feel that pressure too. You know, my kids aren't school age, um, but we all feel a pressure to have our kids be perceived in a way that makes us proud um, to be perceived in positive light because ultimately if our kids are perceived well then that means we're doing well yeah right right and so that's where I would go back to the thermometer um, kind of versus thermostat um, and ask like for parents you know where are you finding your value um, because ultimately our kids are wonderful. They are given to us as gifts by God, but they are not the ultimate in this life. You know, it's interesting you say that. There's an old uh, axiom that says, often a person's Bible who's falling apart means their life isn't. I mean, mm -hmm. there, there's different variations yeah. of it. And I love that because, you know, we do want to look put together. Oh, yeah. Right. Definitely. I mean, right. Christmas card syndrome. Well, not just that, but I'm sure that almost every kid walked in here today with a clean shirt, clean shorts, like their hair nice and, you know, put together. And, and, and of course we do. Of course we do. Right. Um, and it's really hard to find that balance um, because I think parents are oftentimes thrown with we'll do this and don't do that and post this but don't post that and it's a very very much we live in a culture that says look at me and see how, how mm, great I'm yeah. doing and I would say that a lot of times if we don't want all of our parenting moments to be looked at right. I know I don't know right well so, and, and, yeah. and one article I read even even joked about how dropping your kids off at school on the first day can be your greatest act of diplomacy <laughs> yeah. either for yourself or for your child who might be pitching a fit yeah. so let's let's transition yeah. a little bit now to this to the children kids are gonna come with a mm -hmm. myriad of different things there will be tears mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there will be um, complaints of headaches mm -hmm. or stomach aches mm -hmm. There will be um, a lot of avoiding, even of school-related activities. So those things are going to come up. Sure. What things do you see outside of maybe what I just mentioned or affirm even what, what most of these articles would mention as saying, yes, these are signs of kids who might be experiencing anxiety either on a minor or major scale? Sure. So I think when kids experience anxiety, it can manif manifest in a couple different ways. Um, they can become obsess obsessive with one thing, right? This has to be perfect, or it has to look like this, or if I don't get it looking like this, I, I, I lose control. Yeah. Um, so typically when we feel anxious, or I don't want to say threatened, it's not as the, but just that we're not sure if we, if we feel safe. That's probably a good way to say it, right? A lot of kids walking in today may not feel that sense of safety because it's a new place, it's new teachers, it's new kids. 
And so oftentimes what we see is kids will either kind of um, overextend themselves or underextend themselves. So it, it may be that they go into hiding, shut down, everything's fine, I don't want to do anything. Or they may go the opposite way to where everything has to be perfect and they're almost in overdrive, yeah. energy-wise, you know, kind of everything. And so I would say, one, totally normal experiences to have. We have them as adults, too. But the most Im important thing in that is to remember, let's take one problem at a time. You do not have to take all of, all of your kids' anxieties and fix them in that moment or even problem-solve with them in that moment. Yeah. Find one thing um, and really work on that because chances are that if you can, if that one anxiety that keeps popping up, if, if you can address that issue, whatever it may be, some of the other things will fall to the wayside. Um, so, you know, if that's a kid who's like, I'm afraid I'm going to get lost, which is totally valid, especially here because that downstairs is a little confusing. Hey, we are very proud of our MC Escher <laughs> architectural design. Yeah. An easy thing to do would say, okay, let's go a few minutes early and walk, right. walk the building, walk your class. And, and teachers will do that, but that would be a very easy thing for a parent to mm -hmm. do and easily, again, tangibly address an issue without feeling overwhelmed by all that's of the not other. embarrassing. No. Right? That's not that's not like, you know, mom getting out in the carpool line, which we still don't want parents to do, fixing their child's hair, making sure the shirt's yeah. tucked in and then sending them on their merry way. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. This is this looks very normal. Yep. It's very clandestine in the way that yep. that's done. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I like that. Yeah. Now let's let's talk about sleep because one of the things that it says is we have to number one, make sure our kids get enough sleep. We always know that. But number two ensuring that they're going to sleep and so there's been nights with my own mm -hmm. child especially in the summer i'm like oh they're finally asleep and then dad you know just like buddy the elf dad yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. and so we have that as well what are tips to help get your child to sleep mm -hmm. particularly when it's more anxiety once sure. we get into the routine of school our kids are probably going to go to sleep on a more regular basis. Totally. There's the obvious, and I'm just going to state these for, for that purpose, you know, maybe less sugar, caffeine, that sort of thing. Sure. Um, stopping screens much earlier than mm -hmm. 6 p.m. so that the body has time to really shed itself of the blue light, um, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. But what are other tips that you would say of calming that body, calming mm -hmm. that mind, calming that heart to get them to a place where they're ready to rest and then sleep? Yeah, so this is um, actually... This is something that I learned in school. Um, so the, the thing that we do last is often what our brain remembers the most. Mm. And so one of the things that I really encourage anybody who has trouble sleeping with um, is to come up with kind of three things that they're grateful for that happened in that day. And so you can do this with your student. If you guys do prayer or bedtime routine, you can do this then, and then they can continue this as they drift off to sleep. But you bring to mind three things that you're thankful for. And I don't just mean you go, oh, I'm thankful for my mom. I'm thankful for, you know, the French toast sticks today at lunch. And I'm thankful I played outside at recess. It's not that. It's an actual, like, including all of your five senses as you talk about what you're grateful for. So if you're thankful for your dad, you can say, I'm, you know, kind of um, bring the image of your dad to mind in a much more tangible way. What color is his hair? What was he wearing today? What did he say to me today that I really appreciated? Mm -hmm. um, so really kind of diving in a little bit deeper to those things and 
that will not only help calm your body down, but then you're also going to sleep thinking of positive things as opposed to thinking of things that make you anxious, which is going to make it harder to go to sleep. So you know I quote movies a lot. Of all the time. So right now I'm, I'm going to go deep. 1954, White Christmas, Irving Berlin. When I'm worried I can't sleep, I count my blessings instead of sheep. Yeah. Sung yep. by Bing, Bing Crosby, so we'll, we'll probably yep. bring that back up at holiday season. But that's exactly what I yeah. think. But I like yeah. specifically what you're saying, kidding aside there, of the vivid mm-hmm. exposure that mm-hmm. we're, we're asking our kids mm-hmm. to recall. Just like we want to see an apology, we won't. We don't want to just say sorry. Yeah. We want them to go through a better explanation, and I really like that idea yeah. um, of so getting that. I tell parents just to make it easier on yourself. Five senses. Go through the five mm, senses with yeah. the memories. Well, and one of the things that even the, the Harvard uh, article here mentions is that fatigue, crankiness, those sort of things are going to only exacerbate your child's anxiety, right? Yes. We know that, Yes. but then we need a good reminder sometimes, a good kick in the pants to remember, oh my goodness, yeah, we actually do really need to calm things down. Yeah. Uh, one thing that we started doing a couple of weeks ago just to get Anderson back on more of a school mm-hmm. schedule was we would start um, putting our daughter down and then once we did we'd allow him to play instead of watch hmm. a show and hmm. so during the summer we watched a lot of Andy Griffith yeah. and you know sweets Sweet black and white yeah. and, and things like that but really turning that TV off getting him away from screens at a much earlier time hmm. and then really using that time to get him in his pajamas play in his yeah. room and really have this decompressing time yeah. for him now let me ask you this. What about things like diffusing lavender or maybe some type of essential oil? Mm-hmm. What about doing that? Sometimes it feels like, hey, that's gospel. Sometimes it feels like it's a magic potion. And it depends on what spectrum you're on. Totally. And trust me, I have been on both sides yeah. of that. But would you encourage that? Because that does apply to the senses. You can put it on your feet. Totally. You can put it on the back of your neck. Yep. You can diffuse it. What would you say to some of those things as well? You know, I'm actually going to go to my sleep training uh, stuff that I have read for my babies. Um, One of the things they talk about in there is signaling sleep. That as infants, we have to kind of teach our kids that they they have an internal clock. We have to kind of signal sleep to them. And so what I used to do was, you know, rub something. I mean, we lotion our kids every night, right? So even the scent of that lotion... It's the only time of of the day that they get that prepares them for, okay, it's almost time to go to sleep. We turn out the lights, you know, all of those things. I'm not educated in essential oils, but anything to kind of um, signal, okay, now we're going to calm down. Um, Those bedtime routines can be really helpful. And I know that at times that bedtime routine can be a place where kids really share about what happened in their day. And... I would say, you know, obviously any kind of conversation that you can have with your kid is always good. Um, But maybe try and have that conversation a little earlier in the day. Or if if that does come up, if that does come up at bedtime, because that's the quiet time, that's where you really get a chance to connect with your kid, make sure that you end again on the gratitude. Not because we want to sweep whatever's going on under the rug or put the Jesus Band-Aid on it, but because we want to make sure that, that they're regulated before they go to sleep. Well, and you're bringing up a really interesting point because a lot of times students will shed light on their day in that moment more than any other part of the day. And yep. they begin to ask questions and that will either 
delight our hearts or that will terrify mm-hmm, us. Mm-hmm. And we say, oh my goodness, what, what's happened? And so how do we control our emotions? What's, what would you say to parents who say, well, I just heard something that I did not want to hear yep. and I'm pretty upset that my child may experience that either day one or day 125 or day 170. Like what would you say yep. to that? Um, ABC. So attune to what your kid is saying. That means you're looking at him in the eye. Um, your nose follows your toes is, is another way to say that. Make sure that your body is turned towards them. So you're attuning to them so that they know, hey, my mom is here. She sees me. Um, not commenting on the behavior as much as commenting on the emotion, right? Because the behavior just um, doesn't, we don't, we don't get that same sense of I'm being heard yeah. if you're yeah. just talking about the behavior. Um, the B and the ABC is, is breathe. So take some deep breaths because the, the deeper that we breathe, the more that our nervous system calms down. And then C would be be curious. Um, so rather than coming down with a judgment, whether on a kid or a teacher, be curious as, okay, tell me more about that. What was going on in this situation? Um, curiosity is not judgment, right? If someone's mm, curious about good, a situation, yeah. they're asking about it, they're not judging. So even if your kid comes and confesses, hey, I got a detention today, or I got in trouble for this, rather than saying, you shouldn't have done that, be curious about it. The consequences can come, right? Like, we can address that. But be curious about what's going on, rather than judgmental. Um, And one more thing that doesn't fit into the ABC, but short, more frequent conversations tend to be more helpful than long drawn out yes. conversations and one of these articles mentions that as well yeah. of saying don't don't plan to have a half hour conversation yeah get get snippets in yep. and and make sure that your child can give that full attention because once they continue to go on they are either not going to pay attention mm-hmm. they're not going to give you the answer that you're desiring be it right wrong or indifferent it's just not going to be there and then also their attention span they just oh yeah yeah and if there's any major emotion going on, they're not going to be in their upstairs logical prefrontal right. cortex brain. Now, what about the preteen? Because we do serve kids that are yeah. either 11, 12, some will hit the 13 mark while they're in our walls, and they're going, hey, look, you know, I've got high school siblings, or I've got even got siblings in college. I should be able to be on my phone playing games, that sort of thing. What would you say to parents who see even some slight anxiety patterns or at least just some differences mm-hmm. in their kids to say, all right, now it is time to calm down and bring ourselves to a level where we can have some moments of peace and resolve? Yeah. I mean, I think the um, hesitation for parents to make a rule around electronics, phones, tablets is, there's many, right? But one of them, well, this is how my kid connects with people. It is so good for your kid to have social relationships outside of you. You are are their primary and most important relationship. And especially when they're in school, you have a very short amount of time where you're one-on-one, eye contact, where you're, you're, you're in the same physical space. My encouragement would be to take advantage of that. Take advantage of the quietness when you're not running around to activities Um, which again are all good but they can often take the place of of just hey I'm sitting in the same space with you and we're having a conversation 
And um, I was talking to another counselor today about, you know, this generation has identified as the loneliest generation yet. That, that, that more and more people in Gen Z are identifying as feeling lonely than even the millennials. Wow. Which is quite significant because the millennials can be a pretty lonely generation. And so to think that our kids, that's their norm, and to think that they are more used to communicating via a phone or a tablet than they are one-on-one, person-to-person. Um, you know, there's good in that, but you have a unique opportunity as a parent to really shape how your kid learns about relationship. And that's, that's our role as parents. Wow. So I would encourage you to use that time well because there is a difference between having a conversation like we're having and us like and and people sitting on the couch watching tv together yeah wow so we're running out of time yeah i want to i want to get to one thing just because i know some parents are concerned about this sometimes we do see children who have really increased anxiety Mm -hmm particularly in the mornings. They're either, they don't feel ready, we're rushing out of the house. I will say, I know tardies are not good, <laughs> but if you are not prone to being tardy, and I'm very much somebody that loves to be on time to things, but if you're not prone to tardies and you're running behind, make sure from a school side, I would say make sure your child comes in at nine o'clock feeling ready and prepared mm-hmm. instead of coming in yep. at 8.31 feeling completely disheveled and disoriented. The other thing I would say is if you're worried about the handoff between your child and the school, let us know. Mm -hmm. That's what Maria and I are both here for. That's what the teacher's there for. We are more than willing to help in that transition and figure out a way for those transitions to work. 100% because it is not, your kid is not the only kid um, who who may struggle with, with handing off at school, definitely. And with that, I do want to share just a few things here. The first is just, this is um, something my mother-in-law had had actually sent Katie and I, but it was just a refresher of what God does versus what Satan does. And Mm -hmm. we do believe in a fallen world. We do believe that that there is a good versus evil and that that good relies uh, solely on the salvation of Jesus Christ. And so as we look at this and we think about this, um, I'll, I'll read some of these Satan rushes you, he frightens you, he pushes you, confuses you, condemns you, stresses you, discourages you, and worries you. Amen. Amen. Then here's what God does. God stills you. God reassures you. He leads you. He enlightens you. He forgives you, calms you, encourages you, and comforts you. Mm. And amen to that one as well. Yeah. And so I believe that's a online that's um, going to be widely circulated if it's not already. But at least that's, I think, a good reminder of truth. But let's go to truth itself. Right? Yeah. Let's go to scripture. So, Maria, you and I both have some. So we'll bounce these back and forth. And yeah. Maria, we'll start with you. Yeah. So Philippians, um, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, 
let your requests be made known to God. Isaiah 43, 2 through 3 says, When ye pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. From Psalm 56, verse 3, When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. And then we go to Psalm 23, and albeit it is famous, there are so many good pieces, but I'll just read it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then from Philippians 1, verse 6, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And then Joshua 1, 9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So parents, make sure that you are praying over your children with these verses. Uh, we can be doing that whether they are anxious or not. These is God's word. It is given to us, and it is true and given to us in love, as we say here at the Kirk. But we want to make sure that we give the, that to you as well. And there's a myriad of other verses that we could have gone, but this is just something that, that was definitely on Maria and mine's heart as well. Um, as we end, a couple of plugs just very quickly. The first is Dr. Sachs will be with us Monday, so August 19th. Uh, yeah. I'm excited about it as well. well. Our next podcast will involve him, which I'm really excited about. Again, Dr. Leonard Sachs is a New York Times bestselling author. He's written several books, uh, Why Gender Matters, uh, Boys um, on the Run, Girls Adrift, and his latest book, The Collapse of Parenting. And so that will be um, all for sale. We have copies of those books that we'll have for sale. He'll do a book signing with us, but 6 p.m. Monday night in the sanctuary. Maria, anything to add to him? Come. I mean, he will say some things that are hard to hear, but um, I think as I shared last in the last podcast, he is, the way that he writes, at least for me, I felt very empowered. And That's what I would say, too, is there are some sports practices. There are other things that we have that I know are on Monday night as well. Mm -hmm. We're working to mitigate any problems so that you can get here. It is fully open to the public. Invite your friends. Bring whomever. The other thing that I would say is this is really a, a one-time opportunity that yeah. we have. Um, it's, it's really awesome that uh, we were able to partner with Foam Supplies uh, Incorporated. And what I would say to that is make sure that one of you gets there. Um, if you have uh, the ability to hire a babysitter, you have the ability to have a friend help out and drive soccer practice, something like that, come be here, be a part of that. The second thing that I would say is a lot of folks have asked about the school calendar. There's been a new law passed uh, in regards to the start of school dates. It does not apply to private schools, but there are a lot of discussions of how it will impact private schools nonetheless. That being said, we're still deciding on how to best handle that situation. I'm garnering uh, information right now from the other independent schools in St. Louis. Uh, ISIL is, is that organization. There's a thread going about with that. Also, the Christian School Association of St. Louis, we're garnering information from that group as well. 
And then finally, uh, don't forget about Ditto. Ditto is an incredible mm -hmm. uh, store in the Glendale area. It's an upscale resale shop. I went just a couple of weeks ago for our shareholders meeting. It is amazing what they're doing. And every volunteer hour that we have is $150 towards the school. And so we asked folks to go for a two-hour shift. It's really amazing that what God is doing through that store. They've made a ton of improvements, and they've paid mm -hmm. for it all in cash. That's awesome. Which is great. And so make sure that, that you keep Ditto on your radar. But other than that, we are done. And so what I would say is continue to send us ideas, continue to send us questions. We love uh, the feedback that we've gotten. Thank mm -hmm. you for those of you that just remind us that you're listening. It means the world to us, mm -hmm. and we hope you guys have a great start to the school year. See you at Day School. Thank you.